tonight's episode, The Endangered Species. it easier if i'm actually in here so welcome everybody to our daily gun show come to live every weeknight at midnight eastern and we talk about guns for about an hour or more depending on how it goes and depending on how much time we have so we do the show at midnight eastern so that you know it's late for people that are used to being the first people to be late at night it's not like people on the East Coast aren't used to being up late. Uh, and then that makes it 9 p.m. on the Pacific Coast. So uh, that sped, spreads the spectrum of uh, the evening, the late evening, to uh, the whole country. And uh, we do it on weeknights because weekends people are usually doing stuff. Um, and we do it every weeknight because we've got some ambition and some goals for the show other than to just hang out and spend time. We do that quite a bit. I do that quite a bit online, but uh, the goal of this show would be to accomplish some things. And uh, that gives us time to do it. Each day we have a different chance to do stuff like that. So Mondays, Second Amendment activism, why you might wanna be an activist or how to be an activist, that kind of stuff. On Tuesdays, it's what activism is all about, the Second Amendment, different layers of that. On Wednesdays is pop culture, guns in our society, and our media. And then we have our tactical quiz. We spend time on that each, each Wednesday. Thursdays is the uh, training, travel, that kind of stuff, and uh, things associated with that. On Fridays, we uh, take a look back at what's happened in the week for the Second Amendment as a ongoing weekly archive incremental backup or a table of contents for the week. We also are a channel with 169,000 subs. We're about to be 170,000 subs. So I think we're like 30 something subs away or something like that from the 170,000 mark. So even though we don't put out a bunch of stuff, we don't get a bunch of views, that still has weight on the different uh, robots and the different mechanics that work the internet. And uh, so I deliberately link to some stuff that has a focus on Second Amendment each week, because if we can help them with that, that's what we're, what's the point of having a giant channel if you can't help Second Amendment stuff. 
then if anybody listens to this, the humans, they hear that stuff on Wednesday, on Fridays. So they're aware of it. Hopefully we're not looking at the same old stuff week after week. Some of it's the same stuff week after week, but it certainly isn't old. Um, I'm going to put up a poll here. And then uh, it also lets us put that, spread that, that data, that information out from everybody on different platforms. So we put that out here on the YouTube as a video, and then it gets rendered and it becomes a video. We take the audio of that and put it up as a podcast, and then the uh, video itself on some other different platforms. We're about to start a poll right now. All right. Let's say you had a little bed dog. Let's see. So would you let the little bad dog up on the, what are we gonna call this, table? Let's just call it a table, even though it's more like a counter. Uh, start with yes. And then we'll go with maybe, but not till he goes out. And then, no. And then people that hate dogs cannot answer this one. So uh, this little dog won't go out. He refuses to go out because it's raining or because it's wet out there now. It's not even raining anymore. But for whatever reason, he won't go out. So I'm deciding if I should let him come up here, which is a effectively a reward for not going potty. Uh, or make him stay down there, which is closer to where he needs to be if all of a sudden he starts squirting potty out of him. So uh, come over here for now. Come up, 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 up. Come up, 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 up. If you don't know how to get up here, then you can't get up, 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 up. See, he won't even jump up to his cage. So we'll let the we'll let a bunch of humans decide your fate, little puppy. We're gonna find out. All right. So anyhow, I'm being distracted by a little puppy who keeps touching me on the foot, which is annoying because I'm not used to it. Because normally I just let him come up. So. Uh, we do this stuff each weeknight and we go live for about an hour because that's about as much time as I can do it before I either fall asleep or nobody's listening to the show anymore. But my goal would be to do a long format show. I'm a big fan of Art Bell. I've been listening to overnight shows since I can't even remember not listening to overnight shows. I would stay awake uh, to listen to the stuff that stayed on overnight. I'm a big fan of being awake at night and got jobs and ships and things that take me into the night because I don't care. And uh, I'm aware that stuff that happens at night is often overlooked by uh, the rest of the world, basically. Folks that don't think think that everybody goes to sleep at night. And then, uh, uh, so I'd like to do a long format show focused on Second Amendment. I would say guns in the Second Amendment, but, you know, I'm not going to talk about guns that much. I mean, I'll talk about them a little bit here and there. But uh, if you want to talk about hobbies and what to buy. There's other people that can talk your ear off about that. I'm curious about what we can do with uh, the number of revolutions we got left to uh, to do something, to do interesting things. We live in interesting times, very interesting times. And it's not fun to squander that as much as it is to take a, to be part of it, right? Uh, take part in it. So I guess we've already established that the dog is up here. And now we're just going to vote so you can feel better about whether or not you want the dog up here. But in order to shut him up, I brought him up here, which I feel like is giving him a reward for not going potty. 
He's looking at me funny. All right. So uh, tonight is Monday, and we're doing an Ask Me Anything thing. I haven't done this ever, so we're trying this out. See if it's any good. If it's lame, then we won't do it anymore. If it's worthwhile, you know, we'll consider doing it. Let's see how it goes. So it's sort of like Ask Gun Questions, except uh, I don't have Clover here. So uh, let's see. Had to stay late, start late because of the little dog. I basically almost fall asleep every night before the show because it's on so late. But uh, so by taking a nap, I'm awake for the show, right? But if you end up, if you take a nap when it's cold out and a bunch of puppies fall on top of you, it turns out it's really difficult to wake up. All right, so let's dig in. We'll just do this so that people will understand the predicament. Look at the way he's looking at me. Hold on. He's looking at me funny. Okay, see, good. As soon as I put the camera on, he quits bugging me. Good. I'll just leave this on as evidence so if he starts bugging me again. Oh, I guess the thing isn't on. It's on, but you're not seeing it. Now it's on down the corner. This isn't a potato. This is him. For a minute ago, he was looking at me. He was giving me the eyeball. And I can't tell if he's giving me the eyeball because he wants to go out or if he's giving me the eyeball because he wants to sit here and basically sit in front of me. I think he thinks I'm talking to him right now. Because technically, I'm sitting in the room talking to him. For what it's worth, the other dog assumes I'm talking to him. So there's all that dynamic. There's a bunch of dynamic happening right now in here. All right, so getting into it, right? Uh, Woods posted a bunch of questions. Thanks. And uh, probably skip a couple of these if other people are asking questions. Thanks for asking a bunch of them. And uh, I just don't want to leave people out or whatnot. So uh, the, using the power of the StreamYard, so over on the left side of the screen here is the uh, comments, the people that are chatting right now. Uh, the comment is on the screen right now, and that'll bump the little puppy over there up and down, uh, just the way StreamYard does this. I either have to put the puppy over there. I guess I could just do that. It just makes it super hard to read anything else on the screen. So I'm going to go back to doing this. I'll make the video that we're watching right now larger. I guess there's no reason to, but just in case we need it for going online or something. We've got this screen share over here, and now you can monitor the poll. Whether or not you would let this little bad dog up on the table or not. All right. I'm not too worried about him going potty up here. I just don't want him to give him a reward for constantly making me go outside and stand there. I don't like going outside and just standing there either. That's another so uh why is red dawn your favorite movie all right so it probably is my favorite movie and one it came out in 1984 and in 1984 i was younger and you know had a lot going on a lot of potential in the works right so when that movie hits you when you're that age I'm the age of one of them probably jet or something in that movie so uh, when it hits you at that age, in 1984, in the Cold War, you know, different set and setting. It's not like now where there's this jukebox full of movies anybody can look at anytime they want. We didn't have that ability back in the day, and we certainly didn't know what movies were coming down the pike. We also knew um, movies were, you know, we weren't, we didn't question movies were just part of our culture. So that was 
that was a really cool. I mean, and it also came out right after what Rambo. It came out right after. Um, well, did Full Metal Jacket come out? I think Full Metal Jacket came out before it. So we were hitting. I mean, Taps came out not too long before that. Well, maybe a few years before that. So we had, you know, we were living in the era when the movies were different and they hit different and we were all younger. Anyway, and then the movies about the Cold War coming down in a conventional war. At the time, we were pretty much watching uh, or we were anticipating a, cold, a real nuclear war and then a nuclear winter. So the nuclear winter was the survival of the time. Like, how are you going to live through the actual attack? And then how would you live through the consequences of a massive nuclear war and it's not like you had a choice you could say oh i don't believe it's going to happen okay great and then if it happened what are you going to do or you could say it could happen what am i going to do or you could say it's going to happen what am i going to do so it doesn't really matter what camp you were in you either cared about what you were going to do or you didn't so if you did to any extent you thought about what it might be like to have to live through a nuclear winter and you can laugh at that because it's hindsight and 2020 hindsight is always more it's 20, you know, it's clear, right? That's why they call it 2020 hindsight. But um, at the time, you know, we had to make that decision as individuals. And it wasn't that difficult because we had gone through wars before. It wasn't that difficult to contemplate going through a nuclear winter. So Red Dawn was an alternative to that. And it was a viable, actual alternative that showed how a conventional war could potentially uh, escalate and take place. Now, at the time, you know, we could debate on whether or not it was really realistically possible, but whatever. In 1984, it was an op option and an alternative to the uh, nuclear war, and that gives you some op some optimism, some reason for optimism, and then potentially something else to strategize, something else to think about. If you think about what people talk about online today. Unless you're boring and you don't go online and talk. If you, a lot of people go online and use it like the internet, like use it like a movie or a TV show, and they just watch it. But if you're online having conversations, then you understand that the conversations, you know, kind of are in a menu of topics. But the the conversations that are happening still happened back in the old days. It's just that they happened gun shows and you know around a lunch table or something with different groups of people. But there were still these conversations going on. And uh, so that gave us something else to have in those conversations, which was refreshing, but also, I think, super important. Hmm. I guess I must have bit a big chunk out of my lip, and I don't remember doing it. Or I'm developing some kind of massive sore inside my lip. I hope I bit my lip. I just don't remember biting my lip. That's super annoying. So uh, so for those reasons, I really dug it. And then over the years, when you go to have conversations, so I don't know if you're the type of person that's left your house a lot or not, but when you're little and you leave your house, when you're older and you leave your house, you're, you have the experience of meeting up with other people. Uh, depending on the circumstances, I guess, again, I just happen to have plenty of experiences where I'd go, away from home with my peers and you know whether that be like a camping trip or a road trip or a school trip or whatever the trips were i didn't do sports but i'm so sure people in sports had the same thing but you know all the different scouts and other stuff i did when we would leave you'd go to meet other 
peers, you know, other kids your age, and then what are you going to talk about? You know, the conversations are similar. Well, do you call it soda or pop? I mean, we literally had that conversation the other day. I've been having that conversation since I was a little kid. Do you call them hoagies or grinders or subway or sandbars, submarines, right? Like those were all names of these kind of sandwiches. Like, well, what do you do? You know, there, there, these conversations have always existed amongst groups of people. Um, so when these conversations would happen, you're going to talk about movies, you find out that a lot of people have that same opinions about Red Dawn. And that situation, that's that circumstance that people have real reason, real uh, opinions on Red Dawn, real, um, what's the word, like respect for the movie, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word. But, you know, they understand that it's a decent movie. It's not a typical movie. That's, it's, I don't want to say it's universal because there's people that don't see it, don't watch it, or haven't watched it, won't watch it. It's people that hate an actor in it or something. I mean, I don't like all the actors in it necessarily, but the movie itself uh, has a universal-ish appeal, like a very close to universal. Now, if you start talking about having conversations in the military, in the volunteer military, our volunteer military just turned 50 years old. You realize that we haven't had a conscript, a draftee, or anything in the military for 50 years. So, in an all-volunteer military, right after the Cold War, Red Dawn was significant. Since then, it's had a similar significance, however, with different peer groups, and that's significant. There's other movies that are similar, but think about like Rocky back in the day. There was a bunch of people that really liked Rocky for whatever reason. I was never one of them, but I understood that people dug it. Or Star Wars, right? Think of how much people like, how many people like Star Wars. Or fill in the movie blank, you know, fill in the blank. There's these movies that can stand around for a while. Star Wars is still around, but look how much they've had to add to Star Wars for it to still be around and still be part of our conversations. They literally are paying for that position. What have they done to Red Dawn? All they did is try to ruin it once and it sucked. And, and aside from that, nothing. All it has done is been amazing and awesome since 1984. Like it literally just stands on its own since 1984. All right, so for all those reasons, the movie's cool. But then let's get into the rifles, the AK-47s that Milius, the director, insisted upon be created for that movie. We're in 1984, pre-1986, full auto conversions of Mahdi AK-47s. Mahdi AK-47s come from Egypt. Those factory parts and machines come from Germany and they came from Russia. So the parts that made the machines that made the parts on those Mahdi AKs that were in the Russia, in the Red Dawn movie came from Russia. Now, could Milius have possibly known that at the time? I doubt it. Could he have? Maybe. Like, is it possible? Did it? I don't know when we learned that as the West. You know, I know when in the West we learned about the Kalashnikov. I know when we learned about the AKS or the AKMMS, the, the folding stock version. I know when we found out about the uh, the uh, the uh, 74, the AK-74, because those are articles in Soldier of Fortune magazine. We literally know when the West became familiar with these guns because writers went over there, found out about them, and they were literally published. And often that's when the CIA learned about them too. They might have known that there was guns out there, but to see them was often in our press. So whether or not Melius knew about the um, the historic 
significance of those particular guns or if they were just they looked the most correct because they were technically the most correct but anyway he took with 13 of those guns uh semi-auto Mahdi's. he also took some Valmets from finland and he had his uh armorers turn them into m16 or turn them into m turn them into full auto ak's and then so that they could fire blanks and stuff but then uh some of them fired blank. Some of them were just full auto. And then some of them, they left semi-auto, semi-automatic. And then they turned the, uh, the Valmets into Russian looking. So he not only turned them full auto, but he also uh, gunsmithed them into looking like real Russian ones in 1984. So he cut new ground. He created the 13 full auto AK-47s that two years later would be prohibitively expensive and un, not and basically difficult to create for an individual might have been a little different for a Hollywood studio but still he did this at a time without knowledge that it was about to become difficult to do but he did all that just in time and those AKs are in like the A team and every other bad every he's in those AKs were used by bad guys in like so much media you know when we, we it's amazing and then those guns were sold so individuals own those guns and years later, I met people that own those guns. So I know people that own the guns from there. And then later, years later, I found out that a Copper Star, one of the ranges here in Arizona, uh, you can rent the PKM from Swayze. And I've shot that gun. So the guns in it are amazing. I mean, the air, airplanes and the tanks and stuff, if you like that stuff, is cool. Uh, and then at some point, I figured out that I could go travel to the Red Dawn filming location. So in 2012, I started visiting the filming locations, met people in the town, hung out at there many times, started hanging out at the gun shops in that town. So that was a whole nother level of it. And that's on the way to Dragon Man's. It's right next to the, fire, the NRA museum and uh, our friends in Albuquerque, uh, some gun shops and stuff in Albuquerque and surplus stores that we hang out at. So it just turned out that Red Dawn has been um, an introduction to cool people my entire life since 1984 as well as just being an awesome movie i'll watch it once in a while and it's just a really good movie it's got good messages in it you know it's just a really good movie it, you know it holds its own as a good movie and then again just the other maybe this earlier this year michael schwartz from gun owners radio um you know got a bond with that guy because he's understands the movie as well so i'm still discovering people that have a significant uh respect i don't know what to call it you know for the movie and the dude who made the movie the reasons he made the movie so yeah it holds up and it's awesome so i don't know i think that's what i'm supposed to do is explain stuff so 22 minutes of why red dawn's so good uh why are revolvers cooler than the wonder nines wonder nines are lame because they were you know new kids on the block in the 80s and then 90s and took them till a while to prove themselves they did that at a time when we couldn't carry as a country all we could do is take guns into the woods and take guns hunting with us uh, take guns to the range or maybe a competition or two but there was very little that people were doing with guns and they're still better because revolvers can work up close and personal where actual self-defense and uh, work gets done so unless you're going out hunting uh, revolvers are great get off of me guns nines any semi-auto is going to have the you know, potential of not cycling so uh, let's see why should the lady start with a snubby for the same reason because you can 
push the thing into the abdomen of the bad guy and fire seven or six rounds and you know casually reload if necessary nine millimeter is terrible because it's a caliber made for europeans in 1902 or 1890 something it's a billion years ago it's hard to reload it's stupid i don't know why people like reloading it it's a stupid caliber to have to reload it's too little 45 is way easier to reload and the guns made in it are lame and everybody is drinking the the kool-aid at this point i mean if 357 was awesome then everybody would be shooting 357 because all the guns were made in 357 it's just that nine millimeter happens to be the trend right now and everybody isn't questioning it and that's frustrating so it'd be nice with all the different calibers that are out there why is nine of all calibers a non-american stupid caliber that's stupid it's narrow also it's like a dumb caliber it's too it's like a fragile bullet compared to other bullets like there's so many options uh, i'm not going to name the puppy because or when are you going to name the puppy i'm not naming the puppy because it's not my puppy so Hopefully they're going to still find the people whose dog it is. Uh, I'm going to jump around. So did Wesley ask one? Now that Toby has decided that they're going, okay, so this one's from Wesley and he's talking about Cape Gunworks. Now that Toby has decided they're going to be, to move to another system, to another system over at Cape Gunworks, where can we find a place to host podcasts that, does night strike and gun to provide the service okay so what he's doing is he right now toby and the staff what they'll do is they'll record as i understand it they'll record the show on wednesdays uh, and then they do that live on youtube so that we can watch and be part of it or whatever they'll have the guests on they'll have whatever and the first hour of it is on the radio or at least it's designed to be on the radio So they got to take breaks and stuff when the radio would take breaks, I guess on the quarter hours or whenever it might be. So they have to format the show around a one hour radio format or, you know, schedule the show around a radio format. And then they do a second hour right away where they record in a podcast format where they can take half an hour, do what I do, just do whatever they want for an hour. Cause who cares on a podcast? There's no commercial breaks or anything that gets scheduled or, FCC regulated station identifications or anything like that. So because you're not using broadcast waves and you don't have to identify yourself to the broadcast, the, the only way to get information on the internet is to go find it. So there's no obligation to uh, stop, pause every once in a while and broadcast who you are in case someone finds you. They're, they have to find you, so they should know who you are. So. Um, Anyway, so there's that difference, and so and it's also the cost. It costs almost little, it co or very little. Hopefully, it doesn't cost Cape Comers anything to podcast, because all you have to do is record some audio files or whatever. And I'm doing that with Streamyard right now, uh, and then it's gonna be recording to YouTube. It'll render as a video on YouTube and then exist. So I'll be able, if I wanted to, to grab it off of YouTube, and. Uh, do whatever I want with it on my computer. Um, on a radio show, you'll um, on a radio show you'll record the show, send it off to the radio station, they'll play it or whatever. But then you're charged. You get charged for that airtime. 
So it has to be formatted into the radio format or time segments or whatever, but then you're also paying for that airtime. So you have to have advertisers and all this, and it becomes a real balance, uh, a financial balance to be worth it for the long term or the long run or whatever it is. So I could see the difference there um, going to podcast only as opposed to paying for all that radio time, because that's really advertising at that point, not just uh, creating a message or, you know, creating a project that's 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 a advertising cost and everything and i'm assuming in boston or whatever they broadcast you know they broadcast in like three or four different cities in massachusetts um that, that's probably a massive correct cost so um go into podcast only now you just take some time during the week and you you know you may or may not schedule a specific time slot some people most people do but uh, you take some time and you record a podcast just like we're doing, you know, using some kind of software. It gets rendered onto the video platform. You pull it down, you turn it into audio. Now, all you got to do is host that audio somewhere. And yes, Nightstrike could do that technically. I don't know if he offers it because I haven't offered, asked him recently. He may have, I may have asked him and he may have told me and I just don't remember. Uh, I'm not hosting on GunTube because I have my own servers. I have more than one of my own servers. That's fun websites. That's what we do, right? So we're not the same as Nightstrike because we do different kind of stuff with our servers, but I don't, you know, I just haven't needed that service from Nightstrike. But uh, could Cape Gunworks go to Nightstrike if they wanted to and Nightstrike does it? Yeah, I hope they do because that's a great match. But um, I just don't, I'm, I don't want to speak for Nightstrike. If he's out here, he could answer that. Uh, I'll ask him next time I'm standing next to him. I just haven't, uh, I just haven't been in a chat with them since we started talking about that. But basically, that's it. Is when you're going to do the podcast from radio, it's a cost thing, it's a format thing, and it's a. Uh, imagine it's also a bit of a, I don't know what to call it. Like if you have a radio show that you're paying for that time slot, and you get busy and you can't do the show, or you're going to be scheduled off, or something's up, right? You've got to either bank some time, you know, create a couple of shows that you can play, or. Uh, use, you know, pay for that airtime to play an old show, a rerun. And, you know, that's just a, I don't know what to call it. Like that's a time thing that I guess, you know, isn't in the balance anymore. So what they're doing is they're going to stop the radio show portion, right? And just do, I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm assuming they're going to do the podcast side, right? And then keep doing a podcast. Uh, so it's, you know, it removes the format feature. I mean, that's what they mentioned is that they can do like hour long interviews if they want to. Uh, and then do the show as long or as short as they want because it won't have the, you know, the hour-long obligation or the hour-long confinement, however you want to look at it, that the radio show would have. Uh, but then in addition, he also does the 2A Tuesday segment with Grace Curley, which is in the Boston radio market. And it's a big show from what I understand. So he's, the radio, the gun shop isn't going to be on the radio at their own cost anymore, but Toby is still going to be on the radio for the gun shop for like 45 minutes every week on Tuesdays. Um, that's as much as I know about it or have gathered. I don't know if I know as much as I'm just assuming all that. I'm trying to find which account is the proper Night Strike account to contact him regarding gun to. Oh, um, well, Night Strike is on the hit or miss on his own show on Tuesdays. So whatever channel has the hit or miss show on Tuesdays, that's that channel. It's Night Strike 1 with a Y, like N-I-G-H-T-N-Y, wait, S-T-R-Y-K-E. 
with a one after it, I'm pretty sure. But then you can also check out um, Roll Call's chat on Wednesdays, and Night Strike's often in there. So it's the guy who's in with, uh, well, you know, but that's, click on those links. I don't know how many fake Night Strikes there are. There's probably other Night Strikes because of, I'm sure he copied that name off of something. It's probably from a video game or something. Oh, well, let's see. The problem I see with nine, this is Wesley, the problem I see with nine is that it was specifically designed for a 10-inch barrel from a submachine gun and is technically a rifle cartridge. The five-inch barrel of a handgun is too short. I mean, they use it a lot in machine guns, and that can be a thing, I suppose, but I'm pretty sure nine was created for the little stupid Luger, right? My millimeter Luger, and that's not, I mean, I don't think that has a 10-inch barrel. I think there might be 10-inch barrel Lugers, but most of them are designed to be pistols. All right, I'm just scrolling around here. Kind of tacking back and forth. Smeggy's asking, what is the most annoying anti-gun argument? Hmm. So the most annoying of the anti-gun arguments. Well, let's see. I mean, so annoying rather than the most valid or the most often cited. Annoying. I would say the most annoying are the ones that get gun owners spun off into a glitch. The most annoying for me are the ones that are obvious. Is it red a herring? Is that the right word? Like a red herring? If they say AK-15, they know that that's going to freak people out and they're going to come, you know, they're going to do that. You know, they're going to correct them or attempt to correct them. So when those are obvious, I, I find that annoying because it's like they know that they don't have or want to have an actual debate or conversation. So they'll do something like that to just pander or exploit, I guess, exploit a glitch in most gun owners. So at least gun owners that aren't, you know, hardened to that annoying thing. Some people dig it. Some people don't, haven't had those conversations a billion times, so they don't loathe them. But I really don't think they go anywhere. When you, when somebody says something in 2022 incorrectly, they're either actually are dumb or they've been saying it incorrectly because it triggers people. And I'm not going to give them the satisfaction. I would assume that they're there to mess with you and not give them the satisfaction. And if they actually, if you have the conversation with them and it turns out they're simply ignorant of the situation and they are willing to learn, then they're not going to care at all that you were defensive at first. So I think you're better off to assume that they're aware and messing with you with some of that stuff. I don't know if that's, if I had more time to think if I would pick that, but that's what I'm picking off the top of my head. All right, I'll go back up because Woods had a whole bunch of them up here. Um, did I already do who is the best two-way activist of all time and why? Probably Annie Oakley because she was awesome and she was early and she was obviously gave, uh, she like created the awareness that chicks could do whatever they want at an early time in the United States so that it cut the ground for everything else that's happened. Um, and she's obviously a result of ladies who gave her that awareness and she just acted on it. 
but she's probably the best two-way activist of all time. And it'll be difficult to top her because no one will have the position in time that she had, except people have positions in time now. There, you know, there's people that can do Annie Oakley-like things today. It's just that they can't be Annie Oakley at a time when Buffalo Bill was exporting the American West to the planet, at a time when the planet was discovering that it was going to be a finite entity and not an infinite resource forever. So uh, Annie Oakley uh, cemented the individual, the, the, she was a, um, an ambassador of individual freedom for the entire world and helped sculpt that aspect of Americans or people that are from the United States since technically America is this entire hemisphere. So, you know, for the United States citizens, Yankees, whatever we're called, um, you know, she cemented the concept that male, female, city folk, you know, having fun, uh, actor, whatever, you know, she was, she was pretty awesome. And well, a lot of things. And then she was also an educator and then she was just cool. Uh, why did I choose Arizona? Where did I grow? I grew up somewhere else and I chose Arizona because I had family here. And when I did a road trip, I've done road trips a lot. And when I first started doing my own road trips, uh, Arizona was pretty awesome. And I could tell from going to other states that Arizona had a good mix of private land and public land. You go to some states and it's all public land. It's all private land. Somebody owns all of it. I grew up in states where everybody owns all of it. And the government says you can go here and you can go here, but here's what you can do when you go here and you can't do this when you go here. And I, it, I required not that. I needed to go places where I could do as I pleased. And Arizona has BLM, it has forest, it has national park, it has monument, all within I could get up and freaking run to six, to all four of those. Literally, and I'm a fat dude, I could run from my house. Well, I'm not gonna run. I could walk from my house to all four of those things, technically, and not, I mean, like in an hour. So Arizona was pretty awesome. And then I had family out here and um, I, yeah, and then I just I know, stuck, I stayed out here, but I travel when I can. So sort of home base. Uh, AR versus AK, pretty much AKs are cool and we own what an entire chunk of the world created to kill us. We own it recreationally like Barbie dolls. And we do weird things to those Barbie dolls now, like horribly weird things to those Barbie dolls now. And that was accomplished through conversation. The AR-15 is a gun that was made to, you know, to not do that, to do the opposite of that, to kill them. And it evolved in a whole nother interesting way. So AK, because I like them and we won and they're our victory. And, you know, those of us who lived through the Cold War and then served at a time when those guns were literally being built to kill us and did kill people we know, we own those guns. So fuck you, we own those guns. The AR is a better platform for taking care of business and doing stuff. I only own one AR and I own more AKs than that. When will the robots win? Never. The robots will have battles that they win. 
Let's see. Smeggy's saying for me it's the whole militia thing. Uh, let's see. He's a good dog. He's only acts like a good dog when the camera's on and when he's sleeping. Although earlier, I will use this SKS bayonet to illustrate again, the blunt end of it. Uh, this part of him, let me put this up in the air a little bit more. This part of him, when he's sleeping, is quite deadly. This is a weapon over here when he's sleeping. And this is the end of him that barks and makes noises most of the time. So... He's, he's a good boy through the video platform, through the medium of video. He's a good boy. Uh, yeah, he does not like going outside. I'm used to having big dogs, and this dog is like, oh, I need to be carried out there. You can set me down, and then I'll stand there while, you know, I guess we stand out here. And then he'll come back in and then be bad. So I'm not used to that. I'm used to dogs that know how to just go outside. I mean, he was born in Arizona, I'm assuming, unless he was taken here or something i'll ask the same question i asked on uh, never enough uh when will people begin to use the fire control unit from other companies to make better guns such as the sky i don't know what you mean when will people begin to use the fire control unit from other companies to make better guns and then you say, such as the Sky. Skies are pretty shitty. So they're not good guns because they're just, you know, they're cheap. They're like, you know, low end. But, uh, and they're just not, they didn't engineer them all that good. I don't know what happened with Sky anymore. It was a long time ago. It was like a 12 to maybe 9 to, were they even 9? Were they like 11 to 16 or something and they were gone? Or do they still make them? I don't really see them anymore. But uh, do you mean make a Sky better? Or I don't, I don't know. The when will people people already do that? There's 3D printers now, so I don't think you're going to see too many people gunsmithing plastic guns. You can't gunsmith a plastic gun. You can stipple it and you can paint it, I guess. But you're not gunsmithing. You don't see too many people going in and readjusting the chassis or something or you know what i'm saying they they basically just take the lego set they're given and and use the lego pieces that are in it sometimes they swap out the lego pieces with other ones but i think with 3d printers we're probably going to see less and less or with 3d printing it's not like they're new like 3d printing guns or whatever is more, more than established it's just now it's a matter of you know how it'll catch on and how much but uh I just think people would probably rather take an existing decent fire control group like that SIG thing or like they do with the Glock stuff now. I don't even know what they're doing really technically, but you know they're going to use some fire control group that they like and then uh, build the gun around it. Or somebody, instead of making 80%, which is stupid, when there's 3D printers, why are you making a piece of plastic? They're going to just start making fire control groups. Right? And then fire control groups, people will wrap their guns around it, I think. So I don't think we're going to see too much gunsmithing because people, it's, it's like a too specific a thing. The skill sets that are required are kind of many, I guess. And then they're difficult in plastic. I think it's easier to just start from your fire control group. And especially if the fire control group is a, is a little... 3D file, an STL file that you just take and 
foot in your software and start building around literally. On the other hand, you're not going to have to do that very much longer either. You're going to walk into a store and go like this. This this dog will play the role of the store clerk, and I'll be the person who wants to buy a new Wonder 9 in 2025. Hey, I'd like a new Wonder 9 in, 2000, in whatever purple with, with this grip angle. That's how they'll do it in the future. And then the store clerk will go, okay, clickety-clickety-click, and then a 3D printer will pop out the purple thing with this grip angle. So I, don't, I think it'll be something like that. Or you'll go up and you'll grab like a pink foam cylinder and then it'll go ding, ding, ding. And then your Wonder 9 will come out in that grip angle. For 10 millimeters, it'll be a, a more, more, more distinguished process. You'll go in and get measurements, some kind of a haberdasher, is that the right word? And they'll, uh, they'll measure you all up and then you'll have something to drink, some kind of a hard beverage. And then uh, from the back room, they'll come out with your, your personalized handgun. I don't know. I, I don't know. You're probably asking the wrong person about gun stuff like that. Uh, sitting here doing some research on the items I want at the auction. Right on those bay Did you get more than the bayonets? And some of the other military items. Oh, okay, right on. Gunmetal guys out there, good evening. I'm just jumping back and forth, so I'm just seeing if anybody else is down here. Uh, let's see, Wesley's saying, I'm, at, I'm watching on an Android and cannot participate in the pool because the window for the pole, oh, the pole collapses when you try to move down and click on one of them. What about if you hold your phone the other way? Does that change anything? You know, like 90 degrees? Uh, don't forget Back to the Future classic. I don't know. I liked Back to the Future back in the day, and then something about Michael J. Fox got on my nerves, and I quit watching him. I don't hate him or nothing, but I just quit watching him. I think because he doesn't do. He's like kind of a one-trick pony, you know. And I just quit watching him after a while. What are you going to use for the Cape Cod? I meant the Cape Cod Gunworks. Well, I don't have anything to do with it, so I don't know. But if you're talking about aggregator, what the hell is an aggregator? Is that the, um, if you're talking about one of the services, I don't know how they do their thing. I'm not on their podcast. I'm just a fan of it. So I like to promote it when I can, but I don't have anything to do with it. Um, an aggregator, is that where you put it to one, you, you send your feed to one place and then they distribute it? I don't know if that's what they do or not. I've never asked them. I don't know if they've ever. I don't think they've ever mentioned that on air. I think I would remember something like that because it's nerdy. But um, if if you're talking about hosting the thing on Night Strike's uh, GunTube servers, well, it's really two-way web hosting servers, then you don't need an aggregator. Aggregators are for people that don't know how to host their own servers. But I'm hoping that they would host their own stuff because we got people like Night Strike and me that know how to do that shit. So we wouldn't make them pay for an aggregator. If that's what we're talking, the same thing. I think I don't know if an aggregator is. If a conventional war ever did happen, then it's exactly the same. Like Red Dawn is exactly how it go down. It would go down much differently now. We're not going to have a conventional war. We're in the middle of a fifth love, fifth degree or whatever they call it war. We're in a cyber war right now, definitely. 
Um, but the next war is going to be scary with drones. It'll be a robot war and it'll be AI for sure. Uh, Gunmetal is saying, going to be honest, I work with a 20 year old. There's no form of reference of any kind. The conversation, if you know what this movie was, we had no common ground. Yeah, that's one of the reasons we probably started with food all the time. Um, because, yeah, you have those kind of things where people aren't always interested. You know, somebody who's hunting and fishing their whole life and somebody who's playing basketball and I don't know what the hell else kids do in the city, you know, stuff city kids do, you know, then they're just, you know, we're going to the library. I don't know what the hell kitty city kids do. Sit around watching TV. Uh, that's a trip too I'd like to see. Damn, what are we talking about? Clover's got a question here. Uh, Clover's awake. That's a long, that's pretty late for this dude. Uh, if the pug was able to choose his own EDC handgun, all right, what do you think it would be? All right, first off, we want to talk about EDC handguns. So there's EDC is everyday carry. So that's your wallet for most dudes, a knife for most dudes, keys for just about everybody, um, flashlight for some people, first aid kit for less people, and then other stuff, survival kits and things that people carry around their necks or their wrists or their ankles or something. Uh, and then possibly belt, possibly, you know, glasses and hat, you know, everyday carry. Now, the new cool hip way of doing it is to call guns everyday carry. I can't get into that. So I hear what you're saying, but I call that CCW. So first off, that's my first thing. If the pug was able to choose his own CCW handgun, I think it would have to be the NAA pug because I have plenty for him and he would carry one of those. Um, but I don't know. We'll let him choose. I mean, he's too little to carry anything too big. Uh, do, do. So gunmetal guy saying, I love the nine millimeter jabs, like a running joke. So I've been around conversations. I think I mentioned it, right? Like I've been, well, maybe not, but when I was a little kid and we were in school, we'd have conversations about guns. Like I've been talking about guns since I don't even, that's all I've ever really talked about. There was times for long times that I didn't because I didn't know people or I just got sick of it. It wasn't like my main drive in life, but I've known about guns. I've lived with guns my whole life. My friends at school were, gun, were friends that I went shooting with. If I was in scouts, we were going shooting, right? If I was in Civil Air Patrol, we were going shooting because I was going shooting. So if they wanted to go with me, they'd go shooting. Then what do you know? You've got friends that go shooting. I had a science teacher in school that let us go shooting at his place. He had a big like farm or something, like big land, and he would let us go shooting out there. And at a, by the time we had cars, we still kept in. That was like a junior high science teacher or something. And uh, whenever we, I forget what came up, Oh, we were doing astronomy or some shit out by his place. And then we said something like, this would be a great place to go shooting. And he's like, oh, you guys need to go shooting. You can come out here anytime you want. And then we would just have like somebody's parents drive us out there. Somebody's mom or grandma would drive us out there. And then uh, we'd be out there all day shooting. So even when we got older and could drive and stuff, we were able to just go shooting. So um, anyway, so we've been talking about guns our whole lives. So Back in the olden days, I can't even remember what we'd be talking about, but stupid stuff like the 10 millimeter because the stupid Delta elites and shit would exist. And then you'd be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe something we saw on TV or a movie, right? And then fast forward to a billion years later, well, I should say 
decades later, but a billion conversations about guns later, and now we get on the line. So I was on the line in the olden days of whatever they were called before it was AOL. And then I worked at AOL. And then I was online all the time at AOL. And that's when I started building websites and stuff. So we talked about guns there. We would go to G, we'd go to the J and G sales from AOL. We would sit at AOL looking at a shotgun news and we were making decent money. I've made decent money before. I know what it's like back in the day to make money. I've also made no money, but I've made money before. So we would sit around at AOL looking at shotgun news as while we were working book out of there, like on a, whatever day it was, haul ass up to Prescott, which is what three hours or something. If you haul ass back in the day, get up to Prescott, buy a bunch of parts kits or whatever we were looking at shotgun news, haul ass back and fiddle with them. Like it's, we would be doing that back in the day. So then you get online and, and then there was like forums and then there was your own website stuff. And then you could text people and you know, the, the Instagram type of stuff. Then YouTube started and then we decided let's make gun channels. So, you know, we've had conversations going and gun channels was the third iteration of our online conversations. We had gunchat.net before that for two iterations of that. So it was gunchat for like four years and then it went down and it came back up for like six something years, kind of fell into YouTube when YouTube started to get big. So we've been having conversations about guns forever. Things that you'll never end is you got to have a shotgun for home defense or not. Fucking what's caliber? Uh, what grip angle? Holy crap, right? What sights? You know, it's been big dots. It's been glow in the darks. It's been night sights. It's been channels. I mean, there's every single thing that we talk about or you all talk about today. I try to not get into these conversations if I can help it. And the way I get out of those conversations is I just shit on nine millimeter and walk away because to me, that's me going, Oh, I can't handle these conversations anymore. So instead of going mind numb, I just don't participate in them. So a lot of times when y'all are like shotguns and blah, 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 or CZs and blah, blah, blah. I got the, in my head, I'm going, do, 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 or I'm figuring out how to work blender or something like, I'm in the chats. I'll be there for the conversations that I'm digging. But yeah, I'll tune out. I tune out all the time when you all talk about stuff. So it's not so much that I, I don't really give a shit about nine millimeter. I really do think it's a stupid caliber to reload. I always hated reloading it. It's just such a little novelty thing to hold on to. And it's narrow and it always pinched my fingers and stuff compared to 45 ACP, which is a pleasure, and 44 Magnum, which is the best caliber to reload. Feel beautiful caliber to reload. Nine millimeter is like a little. Thing you need tweezers with um but anyway and also yeah plus who cares like everybody loves nine millimeter nobody's going to be offended by it um let's see it was my understanding that the only thing changing at cape is that they aren't going to be on the radio yeah exactly but i don't know what they're doing for their uh podcasting and stuff think of the children this is the most annoying. Yeah, just one life or just one child, that can be pretty annoying when they're not willing to put that same, what's that called, like justification or that same rationale, I guess, with anything else that would be something that they propose, but we hate. Well, I should say free thinking individuals hate, but statists love. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go back up if I miss any of these other ones up here. 
and if I'm missing stuff, feel free to leave it in there. I don't know. It seems weird just doing this kind of stuff, but I haven't done one before. It's been an hour so far. I think I did that one already, right? When will the robots? Uh, who was your celebrity crush? I don't know when you mean was. Like when I was a little kid, I don't even know anymore. Um, I don't know. Oh, you know who? Jessica Alba. She's awesome. Um, now that Toby has decided they're going to, okay, did that one. Okay, I think I'm done with those ones from Woods before. If anybody else has any, let me know. Otherwise, eh, we've done an hour of it, pretty much 20 minutes of Red Dawn and then some other stuff. Okay, wait. Oh, that's that one. Okay, so work with a 20-year-old, there's no room for reference. Hmm, that's a good question. And I think that might actually be something. So here's the deal. Let me take a second and talk about Minuteman University, since we're kind of talking about how to have a conversation, right? So Minuteman University is a project that started in 15, whenever I went to the Gun Rights Policy Conference, because Charles Heller was like, why don't you go to the Gun Rights Policy Conference ever? It's in Phoenix. All you got to do is drive down the road and you could be at it. And I was like, all right. And I was also sick. I was, I, you know, 2013, Obama says, we're going to take away your guns, even if the, 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 what do you call them? The Congress won't let me. I'm going to use executive actions and we're taking your guns already. This is ridiculous. You shouldn't have guns. So grassroots activism stopped that. So in 2013, I had already built two other communities and not enjoyed it necessarily, but I understood what could be done when you had a community of people. In 2013, we start Every Second Matters as an awareness campaign to keep the conversation about guns going through the apathy that we knew would come at the end of that successful grassroots activism, right? So we create Every Second Matters and months after creating Every Second Matters or even as we're creating Every Second Matters, YouTube decides because of their like losing whatever they consider some kind of a war battles with Facebook, they're going to create Google Plus, G Plus, they called it. And they insisted that everybody with YouTubes and stuff like go use this Google Plus. And it was rancid. It was like a shitty stuff. So. So we we decided, let's, you know, even though it wasn't awesome and we didn't even know what we were going to do. We decided we got the skill sets, me and this other guy who was into tech and stuff. We're like, we got the ability, we got the skill sets. He had the money. Let's let's build a community so that we have an option, right? And and we went and built gun channels. And then immediately that dude wanted to build it one way. I wanted to build it another. So he made me pay him the money back. And then it was mine. And now I was in debt, you know, two or three grand, which is a lot for me, to uh to build this gun channels thing. And, or to be left with this gun channels thing. And, and that was a community and gun channels has maybe three or four phases through the seven years, you know, different waves of people. That's a whole nother conversation, but so existing through every second matters and what that became as a non structured conversation and then gun channels, which was non structured, but at least it had a place like it, it was a conversation that had a place to be what I could discover or what I was discovering. And then what was happening on YouTube during this whole time 
is a whole nother mess. We won't get into it, but millionaires were being made at the time over on YouTube because of the apathy. When you've got apathy, you've got no fear. And when you've got no fear, you're looking around to do something and you've got this resistance, you've got SBRs, you've got braces. So you've got things that are, you got suppressors all over the place. So you've got things to entertain yourself. And when you've got ways to entertain yourself, you've got people that are going to get paid to advertise to you. So, so it, YouTube just starts going very commercial. Let's just say it that way. It's very commercial. And that's all another conversation. But so in 2015 ish, YouTube is being really commercial. Gun rights policy conference happens. Every second matters is two years old ish, a year something old. Gun channels is a year something old. I go to the gun rights policy conference and I meet, uh, let's just say a lot of the people who are still in the game, right? And I see that the mass media, which I've always hated, CNN shows up, not CNN, C-SPAN shows up, which isn't really mass media, but I'm going to consider it, you know, big time media. They show up on Sunday to show the small audience instead of Saturday when the big audience is there. So I can see already in 2015, nothing new. I'm just seeing it for the first time. But, you know, this is seven years ago. I'm seeing that the 2A community, the, the, literally the Second Amendment portion of the gun community, is being marginalized, is being intentionally through strategy shown to be less than it actually is, which isn't all that much bigger, but it's intentionally being thwarted. And, and I decided, okay, let's do something about that. So you can't just flip a switch and make people do stuff or show some, you know, some brilliant way to do it. At least I've never been able to do that. So, you know, I start efforting, I start working. And this is all talking about talking to that 20 year old at work. So we have gun channels and it's a couple of years old and, and I'm discovering that it's not magic to just own the conversation just because you put the conversation on your own platform, on your own website, it doesn't make it magically better or easier or anything like that. So I'm working with Charles, I become the media guy for Arizona Citizens Defense League in 2005. In other words, whatever Paul says he is for thing, I was that or more because there was only me. That was it. I was the social media guy for Arizona Citizens Defense League from 2015 until earlier this year. And I charged them zero for that entire time. Seven years, zero dollars, zero not one dollar, zero. Never even considered charging them a dime for the entire seven years. That's a whole nother conversation. But during that time, I just one of my interests, because I've been fairly successful and at least you know able to navigate social media platforms that existed at the time and the internet for sure, definitely better than the old people that ran Arizona Citizens Defense League. So when I have this new role, do their social media, I meet with Charles and we decide in his living room one evening that let's create a Minuteman University, a place that will create awareness of Second Amendment issues and do some of the stuff that we were contemplating in Every Second Matters, but do it, not just talk about it, not just, it would be nice if, but like accomplish putting the information online so that it's easy to find so that it can be found and used and something that became collaborative so that no one person had to build it, but it could be a collaborative effort that, uh, you know, gets the 
contributions from a lot of people and can never, you know, never has to close because it's all, you know, there's always somebody there. Also, it's like a zone thing where you don't have to know about what's happening in a different state because there's people from multiple states involved. So we build the Every Second Matters or the uh, Minuteman University project with that in mind. And the reason I explain all that is, you know, the, that is what got me to build every the Minuteman University or my goal with Minuteman University was to build that for Arizona Citizens Defense League for zero dollars. I've never charged Arizona Citizens Defense League a dime. They've never paid for one of these websites that exist and they've never offered it either. But I've never I would have never accepted it. Um, so we we come up with the idea of a of a place to archive the necessary info to be an effective activist, and and it went zero, it went nowhere. So they did not. It, from 2015, when I became their social media guy, until earlier this year, they have very little to no interest. In fact, the opposite of interest in having me do anything for them, and which is exactly what I did. I just left people, you know, created their accounts and set them there. But unfortunately, this Minuteman University project that you're seeing on the screen over here was one of those things that they were like, oh, yeah, great. Let's never do anything on the Internet. So I was like, well, tell you what, I'm going to continue to do this anyway. And they're like, yeah, we don't care because it's not ours. So I decided to start building it. And the goal, like it says over here, that was all introduction to say what this thing is all about. But it came from, I just didn't have nothing else to do on a Thursday. It came from experience having frustration with education and awareness and frustration with the waves of people coming and going people are interested in this stuff when it affects them they're interested when they think they can do something awesome for it and they're interested until they're not interested anymore and then they're gone and the organizations that only need the 30 dollars from them are fine with that in fact it works out pretty good for some organizations when you get apathetic and leave because then there's no one there to question the fact that they do nothing but invite new people in so when we want to truly move forward and not just spend a lot of time and effort treading water but if we want to get to a goal we need to have some bearings we need to know what the directions on the compass are and what those hills on the horizon might indicate so the goal of Minuteman University is to offer both the skills and resources for Second Amendment activists and uh, advocates. So in other words, people that are truly doing something and the people who care about what gets done, right? So we divided that up, or I divided that up under skills and resources. And resources is pretty much everything that's on here. Everything that I have been able to do has been to lay down the groundwork to 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 to, to create a parameters of where our playing field is like what is our battlefield here that's the resources everything we got everything that we have come from and all the things that we have to deal with good and bad laws individuals groups history you know everything skills is what the your whole question came from and why i'm using this as an opportunity to bring this all up skills is how to do what we do here's what we do on monday you know building websites building content online keeping motivated working with other people funding it figuring it all out that's a necessary skill set if you're an activist you might know how to shoot a revolver you might be good at shooting shotgun but if you can't use the social media platform what the fuck good are you how good are you as an activist right you don't have to know all of them perfectly but you ought to be able to navigate them. you can't be scared of them you don't have to know how to 
work a shotgun to be a competitive shooter. But if you're a scared of shotguns, you're going to suck at being a nine millimeter competitive shooter somehow, right? Something about that is going to be a glitch at some point. And that's what we need to remove the barriers from entry for. You don't have to be an expert, but if you can flip around and figure out what there is to it, then you don't have to be as scared of it anymore. All of that leading up to communication. The one thing that I've never had any ability to really put time into, and that's what you're talking about. One of the things that a skill set that we're lacking as Second Amendment activists is communication, the ability to talk to each other effectively. We can yell at each other and we can cry about shit at each other and we can say about how each other are stupid or whatever, but we can do that with anybody. But to actually get past that and understand that we need to be effective and we can be a lot more efficient, uh, that's just something that has to be written down. I mean, it's not impossible. It's super simple, probably. And there's probably people that do this on a daily basis, but they don't know that their voice is valuable and that they would be uh, great benefit to the community if they were able to offer their two cents. You know, we've got some of these mental health people. They beat around the bush, you know, doing what they can do. They just don't have the resources or the inclination or the ability to uh, talk about some of the communication things. But you know, where is our communication Second Amendment advocate? You know, we talk about the things that we're lacking, elderly Second Amendment activists and organizations, people that are differently abled organizations and, and things, uh, you know, focused on that. Hispanics, right? That's a ma massive portion of this country that we're completely neglecting. Well, how about conversationalists? How about therapists that are like able to let people work together? How about, uh, People from business that are able to, you know, salesmen are probably of that same skill set. How to be able to read, understand, and effectively communicate with the other side. Not like a politician with some kind of manipulative agenda, but as just a competent individual who truly wants to just accomplish, a, you know, effective communication. So how to talk to a 20-year-old? Good luck. I mean, no one was going to talk to me when I was 20, probably unless they were 20 or had boobs or whatever. So uh, yeah, good luck. But I think that it's definitely doable. We could figure it out, especially if we got people that know what they're doing and dig that stuff to help us with it. So that might not be exactly the answer to your question, but yeah, nobody can tell me to shut up when I'm the only one in here. Um, yeah, and movies are tough because you'll talk to a kid about a movie and they just don't, it's not theirs, you know what I mean? Like they didn't live it. They don't understand the guts of it. They're just watching it from the outside. They're just, they're not, you know what I mean? They're, they don't like peanut butter and they're eating a Reese's peanut butter cup. Bulldogs are farting machines. Yeah, I'm, I guess, I don't remember my uh, Boston's being like this when I was a little kid, but I probably didn't remember. Uh, let's see. It's like here in Texas. I got to barter my future grandchildren in order to get a lease to hunt. It's ridiculous. Everything's property. Everything's property except for tiny spots. In Arizona, we've got kind of a difference because uh, it's it's very it's like 10%. No, I think it's 10% private land. It's 90%. Well, there's sovereign lands. Reservations are their own nations. So that's doesn't count, but they're inside the United States, but you're not walking on them. You're not welcome there. And then, uh, but mostly federal land. And there's some state land. Uh, Arizona definitely has a lot of state land, but, uh, and it's sort of like the outskirts of the towns escape to state land. And it's 
yeah, it's not really forest or anything. You can't really go there. Uh, let's see. Roy says, my son wants a patch panel for Christmas. Does anyone make patch panel patches specifically for kids? A full set of letters and numbers and a Velcro back would be nice. Huh. Well, that's interesting. I'm sure that that exists because school teachers are always using felt and they're always using letters because they're trying to teach kids how to read and stuff. So I'll bet you that exists. I would suggest talking to Woods. In Tucson, we've got a store that's the size of like a medium-sized grocery store, right? Like an anchor location in a strip center. And it's called something or another, and it's all got teaching stuff in it. It's all school teacher stuff. So I don't know what it's called, but it's a, I went in there one time, and it's nothing but like the craft aisle from a dollar store. It's like all just stuff for teachers and kids and school stuff. So I'll bet you someplace like that might have it. On the other hand, if you wanted to be cheap, I bet you a thrift store might have something like that. But that's interesting. Allen Anchor's making crayons, so they're like a step away from making the alphabet. I bet you could talk Allen Anchor into making an alphabet. Uh, do, do, do. But $13 for a set. Oh, wait, what are you talking about? I appreciate it. I want to take a second. Clover's talking about Amazon links. Here, I'll show you my freaking Amazon links. You know, other people ain't going to show you their Amazon links, but I'll show you. I don't care. So if you go to Amazon, the web store, am I allowed to show people Amazon links? Or my Amazon thing? Uh, I better find out from Clover. Am I allowed to show you my Amazon thing? Or is it, I know YouTube doesn't care. Does Amazon care if I show you? Um, I'm going to wait till I hear it. I don't want to kill my thing. It's not that big, but I don't want to kill it either. Um... As far as hunting in Arizona, hunting's pretty cool in Arizona, except that our critters ain't big. They're just goofy and weird because our critters have to survive in the desert or whatever. It's not really desert here. Um, and then there's massive reservations. So the, in, the critters aren't stupid. They just book over to the reservation whenever it's sun season. And I don't care what anybody says, that literally happens. I've never seen as much turkey poop in my life except for when I'm hunting elk. You know what I'm saying? And I never see turkeys until I'm hunting elk. And it's the vice versa. As soon as you're hunting turkeys, there's elk everywhere. Um, I don't know if Clover's still in here or not. Let's see. Oh, by the way, never enough ammo found the old patches because people were asking for them and they're trying to remember how much each one of them cost. I don't know what you're talking about. You mean the ones that I sent to Matt? They don't cost anything because I gave them to him for free. Um, communication, unfortunately, apathy is a seductive mistress who knows exactly what you like. Yeah. So here's my thing as an organ, as a group, we understand that some people are going to get sleepy. So you build a bedroom, right? You understand that some people are going to talk shit. So you give them a bathroom to poop in or whatever. So, uh, you just accommodate. So, I mean, that's my frustration with the national level organizations that aren't acting as leadership. They know because they've been around since the well, Second Amendment Foundation, 1971. And then again in 1975, Gun Owners of America started in California, went national in 1975. Uh, NRA, 1700s for crying out loud. Um, the one that's in Colorado started up like 15 minutes ago and makes $16 million a year. None of them even attempt to deal with the apathy which has existed since the beginning of time. So 
if uh, they, again, we know people are going to get sleepy, we build them a bedroom. We don't expect them to, you know, like, let's say you got a railroad. What's that called? An engineer, right? You know, driving, let's say that this is a train and you got an engineer up here driving the train along and you know that that engineer is going to get sleepy. Do you fire them every time they fall asleep or do you build them a place to lay down and put two of them on there so that they can take a break once in a while? Like you accommodate mammals. You, you understand that, you know, we're going to get apathetic when we don't get what we want and we don't win all the time. And that fair weather friends or whatever, no fair weather fans, right? Where they're going to come along and be in great droves every time you're winning. Well, okay, we don't have to change human nature. Let's just accommodate it. So my frustration with the national level organizations is they're not doing that. Instead, they're welcoming all the new people in and they're using the fears and the blah, 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 and they're riding the divisions right to the bank. And it drives me nuts. It's not a problem if it's like, you know, to create a pool so that they can do great work, but it's like, we got a hammer. Everything we see is a nail. They create a bunch of money and just buy bigger hammers. You know, they don't think about buying other tools or teaching other people how to do something or whatever. Uh, let's see. So, um, yeah, so I hear you with apathy. I just don't, I'm not afraid of apathy. Um, there's definitely people, there's enough people that aren't going to be apathetic for whatever personal reasons or just their drone, you know, motivations and drive. They're not going to be apathetic and that you only need a few. The people that are going to be apathetic, like, you know, we'd have to be aware of it, but we don't have to battle it. You know, we don't have to like try to artificially keep people stimulated. That's where the fear drive is exploited and it's useless. It doesn't work. Chicago Mike's out there. Good evening. We're doing an Ask Me Anything. So I've been going for about an hour or something. If anybody wants to ask anything else here, uh, feel free. Kind of jumping around a little bit. And I may have lost questions in the mix here. If I have, feel free to um, uh, ask again or let me know that I missed something. Gunmetal guy is saying, I still have a book drawn out letter by letter, dot by dot, bulletin board addresses for different sites. It's been so long, I can't even remember the Oh, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, actually, every once in a while, I'll go back. And I used to print stuff off the Internet because I was like, well, it might not be here forever. <laughs> so I would just print interesting stuff off the Internet. At some point, I downloaded it or whatever. And then at some point, you know, you make backups. And then at some point, you're like, this information is always going to be there. Um, oh, the aggregators, the actual software that downloads the proper files in the podcast, designs the menu for it, and plays it, such as iTunes. Yeah, yeah. You just you 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 put some of that on your uh, software or on your server, and then you just run it. Uh, I don't even remember what mine is called, honestly. It's just one that's probably opens. Well, I'm sure it's open source, and that you know had good recommendations. It's been working. You know, knock on wood, it works for me. Uh, for what I do. Now, it may not work at massive scale. I have no idea what kind of scale Cape Gunworks is at, but uh, thanks, Maggie even said it. Like, they're doing something already for that, I think. Unless I'm wrong, they're already on the different platforms. Let's go find out. Um, I think, what are the big ones? Um, oops. The big ones are, come on, socials. Well, Apple... I think this opened, oh wait, this opens up main Apple or what is this open? Okay, so I don't know how to search for stuff on Apple if I can. I think they want you to go onto their, what do you call it, store. But I think they want you to go onto the internet. 
Okay, I'm not going to look at Apple. I don't think I can find it without being in their thing. So I'm going to go to... Well, Google is a good one. Stitcher. I'm going to go to Google. And then can I just... Oh, wait. Can I just go to Google? Oh, how do I go to Google Podcasts? Anyway, I think that they're already sending their uh, podcast out. At least I'm assuming they are. Maybe the radio station is doing it for them. If the radio station is doing it for them, then they might be screwed and they'll have to go figure out how to do it, I guess. All right, so I think this is Google Podcasts. I'm going to type in Cape, or maybe I should type in Rapid Fire. There's Crump, there's us, Riding Shotgun with Charlie, and Rapid Fire. Talking guns and freedom. Curses. Crump got up there before me by a month. But they're already on here, so I'm assuming that the way they get up here is on some kind of a thing like you're talking about. there's an insurance commercial the guy has a file cabinet for a printed yeah exactly oh matt was wondering how much they cost to make he only had three left um i mean it doesn't matter anymore because that was from 2019 but uh not very much we probably change them just because it's boring making the same ones over again But if he needs more, we can work on that. Right now, I'm kind of waiting. I, I had some that I ordered in October, and I'm still waiting on them. So I don't know what the hell's going on with that. We'll find out when they get here. All right, so uh, actually, I do have a question. If you're building a gun range or shooting range, what kind of material do you think is best to cover the ground with for safety and seeing shells and cartridges? Well, it'll depend on the part of the world you're in, right, part of the country. And you said a gun range or a shooting range. So indoor concrete is pretty much universal, although I think there might be some something to talk about with uh, carpets and stuff like that. Um, outside, though. So now you've got outside considerations are how level it is and then the amount of rain and that kind of thing. Because uh, that'll, you know, if you're in a rainy part of the country, that'll be different than an arid part of the country, I guess. Uh, but as far as just in general, most dirt is fine because typically you're not trying to spend a bunch of money to improve the nothing, right? The nothing that's between the targets and the people. So most of the time, just grass and stuff. However, if you're walking back and forth, right? If you're talking marksmanship range or like practice range, where all you're doing is shooting from way over here to way over here, way over the butt of this dog from way over here, then who cares what's in between? As long as you can cut the grass or put some kind of grass robot or goats or something out there, then who cares? It's just dirt. But then what if you're walking back and forth? What if you're doing stuff? What if you're training? What if you're doing something in that distance? Then it gets pretty annoying. Um, I've seen nets and 
things laid on the ground that are designed to, I don't know what they're supposed to do, maybe keep it from getting super muddy. Never seemed to work. I've seen carpet laid on the ground. That's pretty bad. Uh, outdoor country shooting range. Um, I mean, if you got the money, concrete, period. So a lot of times the best ranges, the most expensive or the most ones that will put the most time into it, they'll have a concrete strip running uh, down each lane that won't concrete the whole thing because that costs a lot and it's probably unnecessary. But they'll concrete the, the a line and that will at least facilitate kicking brass out of your way and, and brushing it off. Because that's more of a, I don't want people to trip and liability, right? But, you know, the, the where if you're not worried about liability, and so you're not creating a, a convenient place to go, and you're not worrying about accessibility, because another reason you'd put a concrete strip in from the target to the shooting bench is for people that need that level surface for whatever accessibility and you remove that if you're taking that out of the question then you know if it's all about just literally picking up brass uh concrete is the best um because anything like loose gravel or any kind of chip rock or any kind of cg or whatever is going to um it's just going to create a place for brass to fall into so you're going to have to collect brass picking at it and that's horrible horrible so then it's grass and grass, if you cut it, grass is okay. Some grass is okay in some parts of the country. And in other parts of the country, you might as well drop lice into hair. You know, it's gone. So, yeah, it's tough. So give me a part of the country or something. But even then, like, there's parts of the country where you're, you're almost losing no matter what. The worst is probably sand. It's horrible. But definitely Jaeger's thing was in sand. There's the range that they own now, I guess. The chunks that we were doing some of the contractor stuff was all sand and that's that beats your ass and you don't get much brass back out of that but uh it's real uh there's something to be said for you know marksmanship is one thing people are trying to be frugal is another thing but if you're really trying to not die don't worry about fucking reloading. don't worry about your brass get very uneconomical really freaking fast the people that do the best at not dying are getting paid by their uncle to do everything and they don't care at all about money. So it's tough. And I'll tell you, as a cheap bastard who's poor, it's tough to say that or, you know, to live that, but you got to, like, you just have to get past the cost or the annoyance of it, but you got to be able to just disregard magazines and ammo. You have to be able to control it and ration it and know where it's at so that you don't lose track of it. You're not magic, but at the same time, you have to just, it's gone like old magazines have not have kept have no uh, no uh just fucking mouse in here and it's moving around um distracted me but you got to have no like uh attachment i guess to magazines another reason i don't like nine millimeters is uh the uh guns that shoot nine millimeters end up having super expensive magazines and then people refuse to drop them or ruin them or intentionally smash them or anything. What is this thing doing?
there was a bag with some dog food in it, and I think it was screwing around in that bag. Sorry, puppy. Puppy's like, what? We're getting fed in the middle of the night? Uh, I've seen that layout before. You got a shooting bench and a strip of concrete out to the stand. That makes a lot of sense. And often you can uh, do that with brick or something too. So you don't have to, you know, depending on what concrete costs. Remember when China was building that giant dam, concrete was like super expensive. I don't know where concrete's at anymore. And then you can do some stuff with soil cement, depending on where you're at. Smeggy's saying that the range is sand to drive the tractor over it to pack it down. I don't know if where you're at in Wyoming, we use us. Um, whatever I just said, cement. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, just it was able to keep it as effectively, like, really hard. And I don't know, did not get a lot of rain. They got snow up there, though. Uh, if I really care about brass, I'll leave it. Oh, Maggie's saying if he cares about brass, leaves a tarp down and just grab the corners and fold it in half. Yeah, we end up just picking up the brass. There's something to be said for just picking it up because, you, you know, it's like, what do they call it? It's like doing burpees. So, I mean, it's not fun, but exercise ain't fun. Always, I guess some of it can be. Uh, it's all fact gathering. Can't do Jack here in Dallas, concrete jungle. Getting ready to move back to country. Well, I don't know. I can understand cities. I don't mind being near a city, but I, I don't like being in a city. All right, well, I think I'm winding it down. Everybody's uh, been asking some good questions, I hope. Hopefully it was interesting for folks. It's kind of weird doing this, but uh, I hadn't done one before and uh, thought it might be interesting. So if I am missing anything, let me know. And eventually I'll be chatting with Matt. I was going to jump in there today, and I was just doing so much other stuff with the auction and stuff. And uh, anyway, I didn't jump in there. But at some point I'll be talking to him because I made this fish over here. What does this dog think of this fish? So it's the uh, bottom, oops, bottom and top of the fish. Put them together. And then you got a fish made out of solids, stainless steel. And then if you wanted to, I made this smaller, but if you wanted to, this might be considered a thing that you would jam in there. You can use this as a marker, perhaps. Anyway, that was the first, I don't know, two hours or something like that to get this. So we'll see where, the, where it's going and what, anyway, and then I'll talk to him about whatever he wants, get some patches made. I doubt he's in a big hurry, but if he is, then it's in some business. My dad insists on getting brass after each mag. It can it can throttle you for sure. You know, like you're not gonna any you're not gonna be able to shoot anywhere near as fast. But then you're also not gonna lose any. Is he reloading? Because that's what usually reloaders do. Like, oh, I don't want to lose track. So I drop six, I'm picking up six. I drop ten, I'm picking up ten. I don't want to lose count. Plus, well, and you're in your own land. I was going to say, plus at a range, they'll do that because they don't want anybody else to grab their 11th one or whatever. 
or let it roll into somebody else's thing where they can't grab it as easy. Told the puppy to lay off the fiber. The puppy has, I'm doing better. I'm feeding them uh, separately. So the puppy is eating like a, a known amount, I should say. Before I was just feeding them in one bowl and then just figuring they would eat out of there. And I have no idea who ate more food kind of thing. So now I give each of them a, an amount of food and they eat it at the time. And then, you know, getting used to that, what that uh, routine. All right, well, I'm going to go hunt a mouse for a little while, and then uh, probably, depending on how, if this coffee's kicking in or not, maybe do some more 3D drawing this evening. Uh, we'll be back in the morning. I guess Clover's gone by now, but in the morning, we'll be doing a uh, Ask Gun questions where we, uh, no, what are we doing tomorrow morning? We do the SHOT Show show. We're going to be talking about costs of SHOT Show tomorrow. On Saturday, we'll do an Ask Gun questions. So again, thanks everybody for showing up, and uh if you have any other questions that I might have missed or overlooked, you can always ask them in the comments, I guess. Keep jumping. Make the dogs. I have a whole story about the dogs finding a mouse. I came home the other day. There was a dead mouse here. So all of a sudden, my dog's a mouse catcher, but she didn't even eat them. She just, like, bites it a bunch of times. It's kind of gross. So, yeah, I had to end it with gross stuff. Not this dog. The good dog. This dog. I guess just witnessed it happen. Tonight's episode, The Endangered Species. Hey, did you know that you could help support our future projects and let everyone know you're a fan of what we do? Check out our print-on-demand store. We have a tab here on YouTube. When you click on it, you can choose from a bunch of different items. We have shirts and posters and coffee mugs. Click on the one you like. When you find the design you want to put on it, choose a color and a size if it's appropriate. And when you purchase these items, a portion goes to help fund our future projects. We really do appreciate your support. You get some cool stuff. When you get that stuff, post pictures here and on other platforms, and we'll hook you up next time you order from our gear website store. Thank you for your support of gunwebsites.com. I'll just take a second here at the end. I never got a reply from Clover, so I don't want to just show it over here. But the uh, Amazon thing, I normally don't get anything on Amazon. It went up to like 10 bucks. So uh, I want to thank whoever bought, let me go look, some kind of uh, multi-tool sheath for belt made in Georgia. So thank you for that. $1.30, I think I'm allowed to just say it, $1.38 cut on that one. Um, and then somebody bought a Leatherman, uh, for a hundred bucks. We got three bucks on that one. Thank you very much. Somebody bought a tabletop water fountain. I'm not judging. Thank you for that. 60 bucks. We got two bucks. Thank you. So yeah, 10 bucks. Digging it. Like I say, we don't usually get a lot on Amazon, but yeah, people bought some stuff and we got like 10 bucks in cuts. Appreciate that.
So anyway, there's the link. And if you want to use that, it's uh, puts a cookie on there. So you use that. You go somewhere else. They give you a cookie. Now you got their cookie. It's it's hard to explain. But anyway, if people use it, and when you do, we do appreciate it. It does show up on this end. So I just figured I'd give people some feedback. I'm sure somebody, well, maybe they did it unintentionally. But if someone did click intentionally, uh, we got like 30 cents from a bow and arrow set. Somebody got some socks, some alpaca socks. We got a buck for that. Somebody got some bath towels, 96 cents for that. So I have no idea if all of these are accidents or something else that somebody bought, but I'm guessing the Leatherman and that, I guess just a sheath. Somebody bought a sheath for like 45 bucks. We got a buck for that. And then a water fountain. I think it's just for looking at. I think it's just a water fountain for looking at. So again, two bucks for that one. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I will be doing that. I have to be doing that pretty soon here. So uh, I'll put the links all over the place. But uh, yeah, appreciate it. It turns into real money. All right. Thanks again. Have a great night.